Just a quick announcement before starting this interview with Felice Clark, which I know you're going to enjoy because it's full of tips and insights for working with mixed groups. If you're like me, this time of year is kind of a mad rush to tie up all the loose ends before the summer starts. Recognizing this, and that it's a very stressful time of year for all of us, Sarah came up with the idea to offer a one-time self-care crate to be filled with happy, rejuvenating things that you deserve for surviving this hectic time of year. The crate is going to be a self-care box of love called the SLP Nourish Crate. If you'd like more information or to sign up for one, please go to slphappyhour.com or slpnourishcrate.com for more information. Uh, sign up soon, though, because this is something we are planning to ship out in early June. And if you're interested, please take a slot while they're still available. Best wishes for this time of year and enjoy the upcoming episode. Welcome to SLP Happy Hour. We are a podcast for SLPs with big hearts who are looking for ways to improve the lives of ourselves and the humans we work with. This episode will share how to become a pro at running mixed groups, groups with students with goals in a variety of areas. How do you track a group with fluency, articulation, and language objectives? And how do you plan those sessions? How do you take data? We'll do that, plus give you lessons that you can use right now for your mixed groups. And if you've got mixed group overwhelm, or if you're waving the white flag and surrender to your hectic mixed groups, we are here today for you. I'm Sari Wu. And I'm Sarah Lockhart. There's so much to learn in this episode. We have so many tips. So let's get started. We are interviewing Felice Clark of The Dabbling Speechy, and she is here with us now. Hi, Felice. Hello. So Felice, just to kind of warm you up and warm us up, we kind of start with a lightning round of questions, which are just quick questions. Just say the first thing that pops into your head. Are you up for it? Sure. Okay. All right. Who was your childhood hero? Man, that's a, that's a tough one. Um, I would say uh, my aunts, who my Aunt Jolly and my mom, they are both teachers. Aww. So they're someone that I look up to. That's awesome. I was going to say the Power Rangers. <laughs> so oh. I like yours better. Oh like, my as gosh. a young, young kid, you know. Oh, it's, yeah, I don't think I, I was, oh gosh, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I went a little deep, didn't I? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. We love it. I love it. We I love, love that it. here. So who was your SLP hero? Um, I think when I first started out, I found social thinking. So Michelle Garcia Winner. Mm -hmm was someone that um, really changed my, not so much my thinking, but just gave me a foundation for social skills. And then I had, um, like, I would say my, I, I don't know if she was necessarily my hero until recently. I've been reflecting a lot about um, just being in the school setting in California. There's a ton of bilingual assessments that I do. And I just think like having Dr. Roseberry McKibben as my professor, um, 
I have so many resources like I, you know, and she's trained so many SLPs that are in the area because it's, we, I went to Sac State. So I just feel like we all can come together and really help each other. So I think her work really has helped me be a better SLP in that area with bilingual assessments and treatment. So you have two very good choices. Excellent. Yes. If you had a free hour each day, how would you use it? Um, I'd probably go sit somewhere and drink coffee and read a book. <laughs> that sounds so relaxing. I yeah, it does. That. that sounds good. I wish I said I would, you know, go exercise, but no. I would probably procrastinate and then only have like 20 minutes to do that. <laughs> yeah, it's like if you had an hour. Yes, if I had an hour, I would spend 40 minutes thinking about yeah. why I didn't have to exercise exactly. in 20 minutes exercising. <laughs> yeah. 100%. Yes. And last one, what would be the ultimate gift to receive? Probably um, two whole days by myself with massages and I could eat whatever I want. And oh. oh, that sounds so good. Like just to just go to a nice little resort and not talk to anyone um, <laughs> and do luxurious <laughs> things all day. <laughs> That's so, yeah, I, I totally get that because, you know, uh, all day we're, we're helping other people, right? Who need things from us and coworkers who need things from us. And then if we're coming home and people need things from us, just like 48 hours where no one needs anything from us yeah. is just like luxury. So um, for our listeners to just get to know you a little better, will you tell us a little bit about yourself, how you became an SLP and where you're working now and what your caseload is like? Sure. Um, I had interviewed one of my friend's moms in high school, and she was a speech pathologist, and I did it for my anatomy class, and so she worked primarily with autism students, and that just kind of sparked my interest, like, oh, that's cool. You get to work with kids. I knew that being a teacher, I think, would stress me out, like, running a classroom. I mean, now I think I could maybe do it, but um, <laughs> back then, um, I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do, and so I that was my major and it was because I interviewed my friend's mom and then, you know, I fell into it and realized like, this is a really good choice mm -hmm. <laughs> just from a, from my personality perspective and then job security and, um, you know, you get to help people communicate better. So that's how I got into the field. And then right when I got out, I was, a, I, I've always been in the schools. I did a little bit when I was part-time, when I had my son, I was part-time. And then I did a couple of hours at a private practice. And so I got a little taste of like what that would look like. And I've always just liked the school system, um, not everything about the school system, but I liked um, the, the kids and the variety of ages and being able to collaborate with the staff and parents too. I mean, it's a little bit harder, but you can, there's just a lot of collaboration that can go on and you can target things in a natural way. And so I've been there for 12, this is my 12th year and I mostly work in elementary. That's my happy place, but mm -hmm. I've been in middle school too. I did one year in high school, you know, and there's been years where they said, you have to take some preschooler kids. So I've had everything. I would say my areas of interest are autism and language disorders. And yeah, and so I'm at two sites this year. I went part-time this year, two days a week. And that has been an adjustment because I have to get to know two different staffs, but it's working out pretty good. And I think, was that it? What else did you guys ask me? You've got it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Awesome. 
And then, so what are you spending your time on these days? So is there a professional or personal project you're working on? Um, right now, so when I'm not working two days a week, my big projects are creating um, more curriculum lessons for SLPs. And I've been focusing mostly on push-in language resources. And so that's that's where I've been putting a lot of my energy. And then I have some presentations coming up. So I'm kind of like mm-hmm. getting on ball with those too. So, mm-hmm. And since we are focusing on habit change this season, we wanted to ask what's a habit that you're trying to cultivate or change um, right now and how is it going? I, well, you want to know, my habit has been how to take data more for the last two years. Um, I feel like it's a professional goal that I just keep writing down because I'm just always trying to get better at it or more effective with it. And so this year, I'm trying to figure out how to take better data when I'm doing push-in lessons. The way I've had success is doing more of a progress monitor approach and documenting maybe where I am with the students with with what skills I'm teaching and how much scaffolding and prompts I'm giving, but then I might not take data every session or I will, I've been trying to take data when the kids come to my station, but it's really hard to take data when you're doing a whole class lesson. So if anyone out there has some (laughs) tips, they can let me know. Yeah. It's really difficult to find that happy medium. And it looks different if you're seeing one-on-one, small groups, mixed groups, uh, or definitely push in, that's going to look really different too. I agree. Um, all right. So that's something I value. Um, what are a few of your values? I think, you know, community or collaboration might be one of them just from your discussions about doing push in about working with staff. So what are some of your values in your work life? Um, yeah, I would say my values, I think it's my, I did the Enneagram test, or did (laughs) I say it right? Mm -hmm. Uh, recently, and I'm a six and hey. si- yeah, some, a couple of people were like, you're a six. Um, but cause I'm an outgoing introvert, as you can tell by all my previous answers, like I want to be alone when I've done things <laughs> after the day. And so I think sixes are a little, they were loyal and we, you know, our leadership style really thrives on collaboration. And that's really where I think I am strong with collaborating with staff and communicating with them. And most people like me, <laughs> I, I have a good relationship with most staff members and I think it helps, you know, helps me with push in and all that stuff. So I think collaboration is a big thing and, and, and collaborating also means like you don't know it all. So you have to really allow other people to step in and give their opinions and, you know, be a part of the process too. And so, and another thing like that I've been trying to embrace is just empathy for my students and my own family and the families of my students and just trying to step into their shoes. That's something I've been working on and trying to be more present about. Yeah. Our days are so rushed that I, you know, I would say patience and empathy kind of go together because when I'm not patient, I'm not empathetic, you know? Um, but it, it really is, you know, when our days are like, bam, 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 it's really hard to be patient, take a minute, relax and, and do that perspective taking, um, for that empathy, um, especially, you know, for some, some of our learners who are more difficult 
than others. Right, right. So if you had just a few words to describe your SLP therapy style, what would they be? Creative, most days, not every mm-hmm. day, but um, engaging and relevant. I try to be relevant for what my students' ages and interests are. Go with what they like. Mm-hmm. Make them like what I like. <laughs> <laughs> or expose them to things they don't yes. know about yes. that they're about to love. Yeah. Yes. All right. And that brings us to focusing on specific skills and activity ideas to master your mixed groups, which are, you know, groups of students with a variety of goals. We're going to talk about how you decide on activities and the best way to keep data, what we're trying, all those answers plus more. But first up, a break. Everyday Speech is sponsoring this episode. Everyday Speech provides a huge online library of social skills materials, including social skills videos, interactive web games, and hundreds of printable activity packets. Everyday Speech has materials for working on conversation skills, problem solving, self-regulation, and even more skills that our kiddos work with on a daily basis. With a huge library of materials and new materials being added every month, there's something for everyone. The best part is all their materials are no prep, so you've got hundreds of instant lessons ready to go. All you have to do is press play. With their advanced searching and filtering, all it takes is a couple of clicks to find the perfect material for your next session. You can get a no-obligation 30-day free trial, so you can try it out and see if it's a fit. And listeners get 10% off their first year by visiting everydayspeech.com slash happy. That's everydayspeech.com slash happy for a 30-day free trial and 10% off your first year. Running your own practice has its share of challenges and there never seems like there's enough time to get everything done that needs to be done. Administrative tasks are necessary, but so time-consuming. Imagine streamlining that admin work that can take up so much of your time every day. With simple practice, you can automate client reminders to help your clients avoid missing appointments, set up auto pay and easily file insurance claims. Perfect for pediatrics and adults, simple practice lets you access all of your information in one place, saving you time. Simple practice is mobile friendly and works with any laptop or tablet. The mobile app makes seeing clients and documenting sessions seamless and easy, and their secure client portal gives your clients the ability to complete intake forms, view invoices, and make payments completely paperless, saving them time. Haven't you been waiting for something like this long enough? Visit paperlessslp.com and get started today with a 30-day free trial and run your practice the simple way. Simple practice for SLPs, it's about time. For this episode, we are back and we're focusing specifically on how to kill it with your mixed groups. We want you, if you're listening, to be able to take data like a pro, whip out easy and effective activities and handle all those group wiggles and behavior challenges like an absolute SLP boss. That's right. And Felice primarily works with school-aged clients, but the skills she's about to describe can easily be applied to other settings and clients as well. And before we start, I have to share how much I am looking forward to interviewing you, Felice, about this topic. 
This is my second year as a school SLP, and it's the first year that I've had to really face uh, such mixed groups. I, I have three schools um, and the elementary school that I'm at for only three days a week. I have several blended groups where I'm seeing every student and I had to schedule so that I'm not pulling them out of their core curriculum, which caused several of them to be really mixed. And it's been a big adjustment for me. So what do your mixed groups look like, Felice? In the past, I've had, I used to have 75 to like 80 kids on my caseload. And so my mixed groups were very blended and sometimes (laughs) there was five kids in them. So that was fun. Um, and I try to control them and only have like two different kinds of goals, but there's been years where there's like four different goals, um, or the fun friends that come in with like five goals that you're like, thanks. (laughs) Hopefully we can do that. Um, so (laughs) I had that. And then this year, and I would say in the last two years, um, my mixed groups have been a lot with push in, um, and language support. And then like, I've had smaller groups. So they've, I feel like they've been a little bit more manageable. So I'll have like two to three kids in those small groups. And so even if I had three goals to target from each one from for each child, it's a little bit more manageable. I usually do a 20 minute whole class lesson. And then we break up into three smaller workstations for 10 to 15 minutes. And I try to get the aides and the teachers to help out. And I run, I usually run the more complex station where I know like I'm going to have paired the kids together who I think are at the same language levels or at the same, you know, just attention levels. And then I know I might be targeting a different goal for each of the kids. So that's kind of how my mixed groups look these days. And how can you effectively take data when you have a mixed group? What does that look like? I think, um, like I said, I have gone to more of a progress monitoring approach and another approach that I think SLPs could do if they have time for this is doing like if they know they're going to do a book study or do some sort of um, like skill work they could pre-test all their kids I think that's pretty time consuming but maybe for certain kids you could pull them out pre-test them do therapy for two weeks and then you could post test them so that would be one approach and then there's days where it's just it ain't going to happen. <laughs> so, yeah. And I think people need to just calm down about it a little bit because, because <laughs> you know, the, you know, the camps yeah. of SLPs mm-hmm. that are evidence-based practice and data, and it's really important, but you know, so is relationships and client, um, you know, interaction. So it's really a balance because you can't let it, you can't let data slide because you need to be confident when you're telling parents at IEP meetings, like where your, their kids are, and it shows that, you know, you know, their skills when you have that data too. It also, it can be a real hindrance on the therapeutic process. If you're just, Mm -hmm. you know, your head's in the book the whole time taking tally data. And sometimes the days that are most challenging to take data may be related to uh, high behaviors, which ties into our next question, (laughs) where uh, what are some behavior management strategies that SLPs can use for mixed groups? Uh, It seems like kids are extra wiggly the bigger the group gets. When I had a big high caseload, I had um, a pretty structured, like if you get two warnings and then 
then you don't get your jelly bean and they got to earn a raffle ticket. And I, and then I picked someone from the raffle box and then they got to get a prize box and it worked for my four and five groups to keep everybody in line, you know, but I went away from that when I went to a new district, when I had, um, a lower caseload and I made it a goal that I was just going to really work on expectations, providing engaging lessons and, just being consistent with what I expect them to do and making therapy fun. And, you know, I got rid of my prize box and I'm not against the prize box at all. So I really focused more, and this is what I've been doing recently, is focusing on being consistent um, with my expectations, making sure the kids know what my expectations are. And sometimes that looks differently for different groups because some kids you can just be like, we're going to play a game and you're going to have a great old time and everybody kind of stays in line. And then you have the kids where you have to say during the game, when someone's taking a turn, you're going to have a voice volume zero and Johnny gets to have a voice volume one when he's talking. And, you know, you have to be that specific mm -hmm. and you're going to answer questions. And if you have a question, what are you going to do? You're going to raise your hand. So I have to do a lot of training like that. And then eventually it does seem to kick in. And then the other piece is if you're, if your therapy isn't engaging and if you're not picking materials that are relevant to the student, we're, you're going to start to see behaviors. So, mm -hmm. you know, and then you have to figure out your own style and you kind of have to mess up a little bit um, to see. Sometimes you just got to screw up and have a bad session to figure out what's going to work. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right. So if someone is listening to this and maybe they're a newer SLP and they're thinking, okay, this is all great and all, but I'm overwhelmed. No one taught me in grad school or in my practicum how to deal with a group with, you know, one fluency student and one articulation student and one social student and one language student, and I need help. What would you tell them are two things they could do starting today that would really help them out with their mixed groups? Yeah, well, I would just say we're in an amazing place where we have the internet and social media. So you're definitely not on an island. And if you're, you know, you don't have that many SLPs in your district that you can collaborate with, you can go follow a bunch of SLPs on Instagram and Facebook, and you can find SLPs on the internet to help you with ideas. You don't have to come up with all the ideas. And so you just got to give yourself a break. And I, I give the example of like working out and losing weight and, you know, if I could lose 10 pounds in two weeks, um, I'd be like, sign me up. What do I need to do? And, you know, to really lose weight and keep off the weight, we have to just, it's a life long thing that we practice and we build habits. And then over time, one day we're going to wake up and see, wow, we're 10 pounds lighter and we're in a smaller dress size. And so I think, you know, looking at mixed groups like that, where it's something that you have to try to be, um, intentional about every day and make small changes and look at the small wins and then it makes you feel better we're all struggling with mixed groups oh, they're and, hard yeah and every year it's a little different and so if I had some magic you know fairy dust to send you and solve your your mixed groups problems I would but you know sometimes going through all that those trials makes us better and it just sucks a little bit along the way but yeah and what you're talking about is experience and time. Mm -hmm. Like, um, you know, to lose 10 pounds 
you know, in a healthy way. I've read like it takes three months, but what do we do? We weigh ourselves every single day and decide we're doing awful. So yes, I love that whole, it, it is like losing weight, but also like I just heard from a new SLP who's overwhelmed and saying, oh, it takes me hours to score protocols and write reports. And what can I do to get Ooh. faster? And Felice, you're going to know what I say because it's exactly what we just <laughs> talked about. What did I say? It's going to take time. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I said, hey, when I was where you are with my career, that's how long it took me to give it time. Yep. Mm -hmm. It just takes time and learning from your mistakes. So next up, Felice is sharing easy mixed group activities that are low prep or no prep. And these are books, games, and materials that you can use right now for a variety of learners and a variety of lessons. But first up, an ad break. As SLPs, we know that reading research articles is time consuming. One thing that's helped me is my membership to the Informed SLP. The Informed SLP is an advertiser on this podcast, but I pay for my own membership because it's so helpful. Let the Informed SLP help you by doing the research for you. They search all the top SLP journals every month looking for articles that are highly relevant to your daily practice, and they provide you with plain language summaries of the most clinically applicable research. It's how smart SLPs do EBP. You can join by going to theinformedslp.com and you'll get 50% off your first three months with the code SLPHAPPYHOUR. And we're back. Felice gathered a list of materials, toys, ideas for running mixed groups. So Felice, just take it away. We're so excited to hear these. We're going to use okay, these. Awesome. Um, the first one I would say is I love Simon's cat videos. I don't know if you ladies have heard of them. They're free. They're on YouTube. And it's this animated comic strip with this guy, Simon, and his cat. And he does, the cat does crazy weird things and they're short and they're free and there's a ton of them. And, um, you can use them for so many things. A, a big thing that I use them for is for perspective taking and social thinking types of activities, but you can also use them for summarizing, um, sequencing the steps of what happened. You can answer comprehension questions. You know, your Arctic kids and your fluency kids can make sentences about the video using their strategies for their sound or for their speaking, you know, their fluency. Um, but there's just so many things you can do with them. And then another mixed group activity is I always say books are a good one, but you can just pick a story. And then what I like to do is I like to make cheat sheets about the book. And that does take a little bit of time to do. But if you scribble on some paper, you can write down all the Arctic words, you can write down some tiered vocabulary, you know, WH questions you want to ask about the book, or you can just go on, you know, teachers pay teachers and get some book companions. And a lot of those um, contain like multiple goals. So then you'd have extension activities for everybody to do after the the story. And you would target everybody's goals at that time. I really like the would you win or no who would win books they're from scholastic and they're nonfiction, and and it's like who would win you know the killer will or some other kind of sh or maybe a shark 
can't remember. I haven't used them in a while. (laughs) I have a lot of little kids this year. So I use those with um, my third through fifth graders. And I do like the wordless picture books too, because those you can use with older kids, but it doesn't look as babyish. Um, mm-hmm. but you're, but if they're a, a student that's in the fifth grade, but their reading level is in second grade, that might be a way to work on story retail without it looking too babyish. Um, and then I do like games. I mean, I think that's a no brainer. I think SLPs use games, um, all the time <laughs> and a couple of games that I think really, uh, can target a lot of different goals are apples to apples junior. I actually have the junior one. I like that one Me too, because I think it's more friendly to our kids with language disabilities. And they also have a big picture apples to apples. I don't know how much I like that one as much, but if you do have kids who can't read, you might want to check it out because it's just pictures. So you can play the game as is, and it works on a ton of language, but then you could also just use the cards to sort the vocabulary words and finding items that work together, but then trying to pick out the words that have your students artic sound is a way to target both things at the same time. And then Bubble Talk has a lot of real pictures, so you can play the game too um, as is, and that one's really great for social skills, but you can really use the real photos to target who, what, where questions. So there's a lot of stuff you can do with those games. I'm a big fan of sensory bins. Uh, Those are my jam, especially for like the K2 age levels. But I did find that my iSpy sensory bin is, has been successful with the third through fifth grade students. You can structure your therapy to where you're either creating stations. So where you have three different stations and one station is with you and the other two stations, the kids are doing something that's related to their goals. And then when they're with you, that's when you take data and that's when you, you know, check in with their goal. Yeah. So, um, and like keeping it simple and everybody has the same activity is still a really effective place to start. And then I love using toys. And, uh, when I do toys, I do a cheat sheet as well. And I try to figure out all the ways that I can um, use this toy across a lot of different skills. So some of my favorite ones are Mr. Potato Head. I like create a scene magnetic play scenes. I like puppets, the toy poppers. And then for some of your older students, you know, simple science experiments could be cool um, to incorporate a lot of goals. And then I do like using crafts here and there, not all the time because they are, they can be time consuming. But um, one craft that I really like are making wind socks because there's this giant blank piece of paper. And so you can do all sorts of things. You could draw their sounds. You can glue their sound words on there. They can write sentences. They can write a narrative about spring or summer. They could watch a nonfiction video about wind socks and then have to write a summary about the main idea and details. So you can basically use this paper to do whatever the heck you want. And then you make a wind sock and then you can use the wind sock to target more language outside when you get to go play with it. What a great idea. I love the windsock idea. I love all of your ideas. Thank you so much, Felice, for sharing all of these. Every single suggestion that you made is very versatile and adaptable to different objectives and different speech goals, different areas that we target in therapy and especially in mixed groups. So thank you so much for sharing these. Yeah. That's what we've got for this episode of SLP Happy Hour. We hope you enjoyed today's discussion of how to rock your mixed groups. Want a list of the 10 activities Felice shared today? Go to slphappyhour.com newsletter. 
We'll send out a list of these activities there so you can reference them later. We hope you found this episode helpful, informative, and learned something along the way. If you like this episode, please review us wherever you listen to podcasts. We hope this episode was a little slice of an SLP happy hour for you. We enjoyed recording it. Until next time, this has been SLP Happy Hour.